0: All right, welcome to the Swedish Junior Hockey Podcast. Uh, Jacob Dalene here, your host. Uh, with us today is Sean Worth, the general manager of the Bradford Rattlers Junior A up in Canada. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jacob.
1: It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I've listened to a lot of episodes, and yeah, I really appreciate what you're what you're doing for the hockey world.
0: Well thanks and I so just for those who don't know this is now the third uh the third member of the Bradford Rattlers organization we had Johan Eriksson on actually twice Jacob Rodine was on once and uh and uh, I've had you in the queue for a while and uh pinned you down a little bit so so it'll be a fun conversation so before we get started on uh, on the rattlers which you guys just won the the championship in the gmhl but give us a little background i know you are a canadian so uh and and your background and, and what your role is there with both we'll talk about the elite prospects showcase or the camp uh as well i want to talk about that um and I want to talk about the GMHL some too. So Bradford Rattlers, GMHL Elite Prospects are my three bullet points I want to hit on. But give, give us a background on, first of all, where is Bradford? Where are you and where you come from and your background?
1: Yeah, so Bradford's located about 45 minutes to an hour north of Toronto. Um, my background, uh, not so much as a player. I, I actually started with this organization. Uh, well, there's a Swedish guide running uh, the rattlers and a summer camp at that point named Johan Lundskog. and uh, I worked for him as a camp counselor while I was while I was studying university. I'm local to this area, and uh, essentially, uh, once I graduated, um, the, the company that that owns the rattlers and the summer camps brought me in, mostly in a marketing uh, position, actually. Um, helping out social media was just starting about 10 years ago to become more relevant. And, uh, that was actually my first position. And, uh, pretty quickly within the first eight to 10 months of me starting up the company, like Johan ended up accepting a, a position in, in the all spenskin league with Oscar. I eventually went on to London. So there's always been a big Swedish history with the Rattlers at that point. The, the team was half Swedish more or less. Um, but I was kind of just thrown into the duties of running the team because I was, you know, in the office and someone had to, you know, start signing players and and handling billeting programs and things like that, both for the summer camp. And and I was pretty familiar with the camp because I had worked at, you know, from ages 17 to 20 as a summer job. So, so I was, I knew everybody, the owners knew me and um, yeah, just I wouldn't say I was ever given the job. I just started doing the duties. And then after doing that for, you know, two or three months in the off season when Johan was transitioning, it, they just started calling me the manager. So I kind of took over the team at that point. And then I was running the summer camp with a team of individuals, um, a couple other, other guys at, at the company. And uh, yeah, as they left, it just kind of became, you know, my, my show running all the junior programs. So I've been overseeing, overseeing those now for about six or seven years as uh like the, the whole, the camp and the team. And, and yeah, I've had the team under my direction now for, for nine seasons. So quite a long time for this level to be, to be with one organization.
0: So uh, Bradford Rattlers, uh, how, so how old is that organization and, and that team? So the team
1: itself, I believe is 22 or 23 years old. So when it, when it started, it, it was in the Ontario junior hockey league, the, the hockey Canada system. Um and and it was called the Thornhill Rattlers. And uh what ended up happening is is yeah, I guess two or three years into their tenure there, uh the OJHL had started banning import players. Um they also at the same time were trying to move from Thornhill to Bradford and which is about an hour away. Bradford's farther north. And the Ontario Junior Hockey League, they wouldn't allow the move. It was being blocked by a local team in Newmarket. And essentially, it, it kind of came to a crescendo where there was a group of, of teams in that league that wanted to break away to continue having import players. And yeah, the company started then. So um, that's that's when this all kind of came to be. I came in about 10 years after that when well johan had the team for about eight or nine years and i've had it now for nine years so um that's kind of how it how the transition went
0: and and and, uh so um the organization or the the ownership group talk a little bit about the ownership group of of, Do they have other teams as well uh not in this league um
1: they've had they've owned close to 20 junior teams over there they're they're pretty old guys now Bob Russell is, is the founder of that company so they've owned teams in the Ontario Junior Hockey League the BCHL um, there's a publicly traded company here called CanLand, which does arena building he used to be a vice president and director uh, of development there and he started getting into the hockey programming side starting summer camps and residence programs um, you know junior teams and 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 getting Getting into the business on that side, so that's kind of where he he started all of this. And yeah, one of this one of his ideas was starting a league called GMHL, which you know was one division of the company. The company owns like adult leagues across Ontario. We do summer camps. You know, they they've owned residence buildings. They've owned teams in other leagues before as well. At one point, up to three teams in in Hockey Canada. And yeah, basically. Um, that was a long that was a long time before i got here so i'm giving a pretty uh, quick quick about yeah 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 that's um, interesting. Back all three, but um the way i understand is that's kind of how it all came to be and then when they started this league things kind of took off they they had six teams the, fir- the first year or seven teams and then within two years they had, they were up to 14 or 16 and then yeah it's just kind of been been running since then
0: um so all right so let's talk now about so the 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 rattler specifically, and and then a little bit about the GMHL. But you just finished off. You had an incredible run. I, I don't know what what was the actual record for the last season. Ended up being, so, yeah. Technically, it ended up being forty nine two and two. With with one game that we were unable to play. So. Okay. And, and that was in the – so how many games did you guys have in the playoffs? That was quite a – because you ended up winning the entire thing, right? Yeah, so
1: we we ended up not having so many playoff games. We ended up with a first-round bye. and then we had a yeah, best-of-five series, which we swept um, three games, and then we had a, well, a best-of-seven, which we eventually won in game five. So, yeah, four wins, one loss. And then we had this – they did a, a tournament – they called it a national championship this year where they brought over teams from all the different divisions the winners plus the host so that ended up being another four games for us in in playoffs um in addition to yeah the the 42 regular season so yeah i guess in total it was yeah 11 plus plus
0: uh, 42 yeah That's great. That's great. So uh, when, so, so the league itself, how centralized is that? How far, far do you guys travel with your league games? So our farthest road trip is
1: about five hours up into Quebec. Um, They divide the league into a North and a South in in Ontario, at least the North is, I would say the more established teams, the ones who have been around for for quite a long time. So um, it's, Considered, I would say, the top division, which is where most of the player advancements are coming from. And then, yeah, there's a South division as well, but there is very little crossover, except for a couple league events, such as, you know, some tournaments and showcases and that. Um, but they try and keep the more established teams pretty much together. And yeah, so we're the most South team in the North division, and we only go up, which is, is pretty good. It, we have a, a decent travel schedule. It's, you know, one and a half to two and a half hours is the majority of our games.
0: Yeah. All right. And so help us out a little bit too for those who don't know. You know, you got the tier one in Canada, which is going to be the Q and the WHL and the OHL. And then you got tier two, which is the C- CJHL, I guess, plus the BCHL now is what you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I guess so the OJHL is part of tier two. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, tier one hockey is the CHL in Canada, it's major junior. Um, and then, yeah, within the junior A leagues in Canada, there's 13 of them and yeah, it's within the, 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 the range, um, you know, not all those leagues are equal. And I think the easiest way to divide them is, um, using, can you commit NCAA D1 out of that league? And there's, there's a, a, a lot of amazing leagues and, and the OJHL and the BCHL, the a- Mer- AJHL, where you're seeing them you know, commit players D1 or even have players ranked for the NHL draft. And, but then within that, there's probably a top tier and then a second tier of junior A leagues. And so the second tier would be the ones where, yeah, like a good 20-year-old, his best chances are probably committing NCAA D3, yep. um, if that's what he's looking to do. So I think within Canada, the, the simplest way to look at it uh, within the CJHL tier two junior A leagues, are you in the top half, which is a D1 league, or are you in the bottom half, which you know your best chances are probably D three. So yeah. our league would probably rank, even though we're not in the hockey Canada system, we would be in the second half, where good players in our league can advance into a D three, high end ACHA, or start their minor pro careers in you know third or fourth levels in Europe, or go down to the to the states and you know best case maybe have an SPHL
0: training camp,
1: but most of the time end up in the federal league to start out their their junior careers or their pro careers after junior.
0: Yeah. Is it considered so? So, how many of the organ? How many of the um? So, so, so Bradford so GMHL, is it still considered tier two? Then, so the level that they they
1: call it is tier two, Gene. Right? Um, the caliber is is comparable to to what those leagues would provide. Um, you know, similar level leagues in in Ontario would be like the SIJHL and the NOJHL. Yeah. And Yeah, within the leagues, there's a lot of discrepancy between divisions or between teams. Um, But for the most part, uh, yeah, that the blanket statement of tier two junior A, you know, covers a very wide range of of leagues. Yeah, it's it's so much
0: easier. It's so much easier in the U.S. in in one way because you could you can kind of say North American Hockey League and this NCDC are the tier two, and that's it.
1: Yeah yeah no it makes a lot of and yeah like if you're talking in u.s terms yeah like this would be considered a tier three league yeah and the majority of tier two junior a leagues in Canada would be considered tier three had they been in the u.s because yeah like tier tier two in the u.s means free to play uh, maybe some apartment payment but yeah like tier three is is you know tuition associated and the majority of, of junior a tier two leagues in canada do have tuition associated um at this point
0: but but a big advantage so let's talk about the advantages of of uh and the differences even though it's pay to play when you compare the the tier three in Canada versus tier three in in the U.S. the tuition is much different
1: yeah yeah once you're into this level of hockey I think a confusing point amongst players that they might not understand: it's more important the team you're with than the league you're in yeah and Um yeah, the differences between Canadian uh opportunities and and US ones, like if you're a Canadian passported player, you know, the Hockey Canada junior A system is is I think amazing. Like there's so many different opportunities. You can travel to all across the nation, you know, you can attract offers, you know, from from a variety of different leagues, and, and some of them are unbelievable. You see NHL players, you know, going from some of these tier two junior A leagues. Um In Canada. And then, yeah, if you're comparing that to the States, you know, in in the States, it does tend to be a lot more expensive, you know, upwards of like three times the cost for some of these teams compared to playing in Canada, which a lot more American players are catching on to nowadays and taking their careers north of the border because yeah, like you can play as an American in Tier 2 Junior A and save, you know, over the course of three years, a significant amount of money and still end up playing NCAA D3 at the end of it all. So, yeah, like, that's that's kind of the theme that's been happening lately. It definitely seems a lot more popular. But at the same time, you know, a lot of Canadian players want to go down out of the States. And I endorse that. I think it's, it's great just to have opportunities abroad to test yourself. And, yeah, like, if you get into the nickel and diming of what offers do I have and what's that going to provide me, but there's a lot more to it than just, yeah, like it's where are you living? Is it a safe city? How are the people? Are you gonna be part of a winning culture? How are the facilities? It all goes into it. And yeah, like the the tuition amount that a player might be paying, of course, that's a, a big factor. But the advantage of Canada is yeah, you can basically play for a third of the cost as going to the States.
0: Yeah. So uh since this is now the time, your your season's over, now it's in the silly season and and the recruitment's going on and, and you're planning showcases and these type of things, but what's the sales pitch. Let's not call it sales pitch, but what's, what's your value proposition when you're trying to attract players? What, what are you, um, you, you know, you're not going to be seeking the tier one player because they're going to be going to the USHL or they're going to go to the tier one in Canada or, or, or the, or the, or the, or the junior a route. Right. But the player, so so who who are you seeking as a general manager? Of course, Johan's your director of scouting. But when you guys are talking, what type of player are you looking for? Let's start with the age. So when you're recruiting now, you you have a lot more leeway in the age that you're seeking. Yeah, like the
1: primary ages will be going out for this season will, will probably be all fours or 05s fives that. Yeah, like they're either graduating from AAA systems or, um, you know, maybe they played their rookie season of junior and in a junior B or junior C and they're looking to move up. If we're talking about Canadian or American, um, we're talking about Europeans. Yeah, like that's where, that's where, you you know, asking who we're going to be targeting. So that's where I think it's important to understand what value you can really provide for a player. And uh, at the tier three level, I think a lot of teams don't quite understand what path, like, why are you bringing them here? And yeah, like we're not, we're, we're a pretty established club with, with, you know, a lot of players who would want to play here. And we got a lot of meat, but one of the first questions that you go through in the interview is, okay, well, what are you looking to do with your hockey? And if it, maybe it's a player that's played major junior in Europe somewhere, you know, like a Jacob Rodin, who was on this podcast or, or it's, you know, a Russian player that's played in the MH And it's, you know, for them, it was, well, I, I've seen what it's like here i don't want to be playing minor professional i want to change my path to be a student and yeah okay well your options are to come to north america that's your best chances for the d3 or ACHA route and that's what these players are aspiring towards okay so um your options are us you know these programs these levels this will be the costs associated these are the visas you have to get and you know so on and so forth and you'll probably make it or your options to come to canada you know a team like rattlers you know an import a friendly team and it'll be, you know, these conditions, this environment, and yeah, players make their, their choices based on that information. Um, or if you're dealing with like, that's mostly for the 19, 20 year olds, you know, they, they have to be coming here with a certain type of ambition. Um, yeah. for the younger ones, if we are bringing in, you know, a young player, you know, the idea is if they're 16, 17, even 18, in some cases, you know, if it's a European player, okay, come here, rather than playing like U18 in your home country, come play against older, stronger players. And at the end of the season, we'll send you for tryouts in Tier 2. If they're Canadian, you know, maybe a higher Tier 2 level league, like the CCHL, or, you know, maybe the BCHL is interesting with what's going on there, even for Europeans. Or we send you down to the States, North American Hockey League, NCDC, something like that, where players can, yeah, have... uh, That's kind of the, the... yeah, it's not a, a, a value proposition is that learning more, but like, what are they looking to do? And then are we a part of that path or not? And yeah, it's not just bring in flaggers. Trying to be a, a functional cog in their, in their you know wheelhouse in their, in their path and, and give them a stepping stone to get where they want to go. And if the Rattlers fit into that, fantastic. If they don't, you know, that's fine too. And that's kind of how we go about the recruiting process.
0: So the the typical so the out of towners are coming in, which I'm I'm sure it's the majority of them. Billet situation, right?
1: Yep, yeah, yeah, they all live with families, usually two to three to a family.
0: Yeah, and and then what's a typical day for these guys? How many of them are are, are going to school? Most of the time it's only the local Canadians who go to school. The, the
1: Europeans they'll study online. You know, I yep. mean, you are doing courses that way. Um, so a typical day, like our program, we have a morning academy, we call it, it's a skills development academy from 11 to 12. So yeah, your day, you drive at the ring at 10, you're on the ice from 11 to 12 with our skills coach. Um, you know, you're in the gym by 1230, you will do a workout till two, after two o'clock every day, our team does video two to two 30. We have a video room in our, in our rank, which is really nice. Then they're on the ice for team practice, you know, between probably 245, you know, right up till four. And our rank's pretty generous here. So guys are usually able to go on early, stay on late, work on some some other things that way. So that's pretty much their day, four days a week. And then on the weekends, Friday night, Saturday, road trip, Sunday night home game, and then Monday would be a rest day. So yeah, for those players that have the time slot available that are not working or are not going to school, that Morning Academy program is, is being really successful with us and, and kind of giving us a bit more of an edge um, you know, and what some other programs are offering, where they're just running team practice every day.
0: Yeah, but I mean, that's that's a pretty uh, so so the, the 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 team structure from a standpoint, that's a pretty good good offering. From your standpoint as a general manager, who are the coaches that? Are, what's your coaching structure to be able to support that? Because, um, you know, do you have a strength guy? Do you have a a, a skill guy? Or is the head coach kind of running all of it?
1: No. So, yeah, the head coach runs team practice. That's kind of when he'll run in. Um, He'll also take over the majority of the video sessions. Um, This year, we had a great assistant coach who was taking care of the gym, video, and helping out at team practice. And then we have a, a third guy who was a skills coach. Um, who who would take pride in that. And during the morning academy, that's when the goalie coach would come out and and work with the goalies as well. And yeah, kind of give them the the full day. So it was pretty busy here coaching front. We'd have four different coaches on the ice, you know, between the two sessions in the gym and that. Um, But in the gym, like these guys are are much older, so they don't need as much direction uh, in the gym. They kind of know what they got to work on.
0: But that's that's not necessarily the norm with your competition in gmhl
1: not not at all like i'd say we're the only team doing this in this league and you know a lot of teams around the world do something similar but at the tier three level it is pretty unique and that's that's been one of our i'd say fundamental fundamental uh attractions of our pro is the player development and yeah like the results that we've had are certainly a factor of you know the training that goes into it and it's
0: and, it's it's very similar to the swedish junior structure of a j20 organization is that kind of where you did that get pulled from from you from from uh from johan lundskog originally or how did that come? Uh, out?
1: i i would say maybe in philosophy about focusing on development and and trying to bring in you know bring a program to the table that has more on ice time more gym time more video time than anybody else you know that's kind of been a fundamental philosophy that we've had uh, as a development program but no it wasn't necessarily implemented by him but the philosophies of how do we train our guys more than everyone else is definitely go into that and that's why yeah like in addition to the rat like we we offer training 10 months a year for our players not just you know the seven months in the season and yeah, like that window is so short for these guys. And truthfully, um, you know, if you find yourself in a tier three league in your age, you know, 17, 18, 19, you know, you're not in the CHL, you're not in the USHL. Like that means you have to catch up, right? Yep. You're you're comp- and you need a platform to be able to do that with. And I think, I think that, yeah, having our morning skills academy, it's definitely brought, you know, some players who, uh, you know, kind of were off their path, back on path, and on on pace to be a D three player, or you know, something like that.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I, I think that that's good. Uh, and I think that that's like you mentioned before. Um, not all you you, you can't just, you know, if you're looking at the USHL as an example, you could pretty much every roster you see are going to be D one commits, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're the top team or the bottom team. They're all going to D1 and and there's not I, I I think that there's there's very little discrepancy between the best and the worst, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly there's there's nuances and some are better than others, but um th- there's less discrepancy um and 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 just like in the in the US tier three leagues, specifically in the. US PHL elite and premier, there's a lot of difference between the different organizations. And then there's some that are they're great, but not everyone are great. And I think that that's the what I'm trying to do with, and just like we talked about with this podcast, it's all about inform and educate. And and what I'm trying to do is is help shine the line on light on different options out there. I think it was Johan that was telling me before, you know, there's a place for every player somewhere. Uh, we will we will find them a place. It may not be USHL. It may not be in the WHL. But but you know people can. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No.
1: I. I and that's that is another that we kind of work off in the summer camps is yeah like the sign of a good hockey program isn't how many players you turn away. It's you know everyone who knocks on your door that individual like if they're willing to work hard they're willing to show up they want to try themselves in this sport and yeah like. Maybe that they, they don't have the talent, they don't have the, the resources, they started hockey later, you know, maybe they didn't get enough training younger, like they're just not on that tier, you know, first wave path. If you're that second wave guy, like who are we to decide what players, you know, oh you're not as good as a hockey player, so you're not as good as a person, like that that correlation to me has never made sense. So yeah, everyone who knocks on our door, at least with the summer camp portion, we try and provide them opportunities to to maximize their own potential. Give them a good experience, meet wonderful people, you know. Use the sport, you know, and in, in the way that develops them, you know, as a person. The same way that you know some of these elite players will. And yeah, your hockey might not be as good. But your options are more limited. Instead of playing in front of you know ten thousand fans, you'll be playing in front of fifty. But you know, or even like a minor hockey, like moving from single A to triple A, and you know, having that satisfaction and confidence in yourself to do that. That's what like our summer camp is is you know really you know really stresses and we have our we have our elite groups we have our groups of you know players that are signing ohl that are signing ushl and and you know uh, junior a and then you know from there we have four groups and you know by the by the last one you're dealing with double a single a players just trying to to move up a little bit or have a good experience and meet some friends and yeah like i think in this industry if if we talked about it before we went live here, but if your ultimate goal is just stacking your ticker of NCAA D1 commits, that's a pretty unsatisfying way to approach a career in this. And I think, yeah, I think you have to appreciate, you know, some of the other advancements, whether it's, you know, small one or um, from single A to triple A or, or, you know, triple A to junior B, like you have to take satisfaction out of that. And some of our favorite players to work with over the years, you know, weren't the strongest players, right? They just, yeah, like they dedicated themselves. They saw a lot of personal growth and they ended up having great experience through the game. And yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the philosophies we kind of have here with, with the summer camp as well.
0: Yeah. So uh, before I get into too much about the summer camp, I want to talk about that next too. But, but, so where are you in the, so that the, if we're looking at the team that, uh, so you're losing the two big Swedes, Rodin and Erickson. Uh, yeah, yeah. And are you losing your top scorer, the Russian guy? Yeah, yeah. So, well, he's probably. Let's let's talk about him for a second because I I just want to mention this because I think it's it's pretty remarkable. So, Stefan Levitsky, 38 Mm. games, 93 points. Pretty good, pretty good year.
1: Unbelievable play. One of the best prospects we've had in the system. And yeah, the story with him um, so he joined us last season and he he didn't even come from the top level in Russia. He came from double A hockey. He was an elite double A player. In a very small town and yeah like he thought he was good but like when you get to a bigger stage you always assume the competition is gonna be better and when he came to us last season and he wasn't very good you know i think he had four points in 10 games and then like that's an example of a kid who like just trained all summer he got a bit of taste of okay what does it take to play against older stronger guys and he thought the bar was was super hot, so he worked so hard all year. Like he was on the, he came to every academy skate, every gym session. You know, he's a funny kid, but he's one of the hardest working kids we've ever had. And yeah, as a prospect, he's had a lot of attention. Um, we've had players in our Rattler system that you know were ranked by NHL Central Scouting before, and and I'm pretty confident that he's as good as any of those kids that we've had in our in our system. Um, so yeah, he's I think he'll end up in the states to one of the Tier Two leagues there. Um, there are, you know, a couple North American hockey league teams that, you know, are asking about tendering him and or drafting him. And I think that's probably going to happen. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll go from there, but he's a special player. He's, he's an interesting one for sure.
0: Yeah. He's an 04. I mean, I, I, my first, my first thought was that he was an older, older kid, but he's, he's only, uh, he's only 18. So, but yeah, but then, and then uh, Rodine and Erickson, of course, uh, so I, I think Ericsson's going back to back to Sweden, right?
1: Yeah, so Ericsson, he actually has a bit of a luxury this year. So he he started in this league last year. Um, he ended up leaving at Christmas and enjoying the Alps Hockey League, which is an unbelievable pro league in, in Austria. And he went there and, yeah, he was kind of a third, fourth line center role. And, you know, they advised him to come back and work on his scoring touch because, yeah, like that's what he needed. he take advantage of his last year. So he did that. And yeah, like he has the luxury now of of choosing, I believe he has four options between the hockey, it's hand league and and even Norway, Um, you know, so, so he's in a very good position and yeah, I think we'll probably be announcing his commitment soon to to what option, but yeah, Yeah. like he's a special player. He was a really good player before he came to Canada. Um, But yeah, like he was a kid who was a part of major junior his whole life, but he was never a scorer, and he never had an opportunity to work on that element of his game. So, Yeah, like on paper he was you know one of the more experienced players to ever come through our system but he was like he came to every academy he was training all the time like he's a he's a a true pro and um yeah like he he used the opportunity here to work on the offensive side of his game so he can go back to pro and hopefully have you know a top six role instead of a bottom six role yeah and and find value in in his season that way and yeah like he was a workhorse And, and jacob rodin the same thing we we You know, so many times those, the, the, those guys pull the team, you know, out of every situation and, uh, true professionals, winners, great character guys. And yeah, like they, they, they were a big part of why we won this year.
0: So, so where are you guys at with losing some of this, you know, how do you feed, how do you feed with the replacements? You always have to, as a general manager, you can't rest on your laurels. So where are you at in terms of building next year's team?
1: Yeah. Like. I'm not so concerned about, about that. Our team team's being strong every year um, because we, we just run an attractive program that a lot of good players want to be a part of. And yeah, like even in the season that Jacob had, you know, committing to colleges and, and uh, Ericsson's had and the development we even saw in some of our other Swedish guys like Arvid Malm, he's returning, it looks like. But um, what players call you because they want to do the same thing. and And we have an infrastructure here you know, we, we have 100 players coming to our summer camp. Um, you know, a lot of them are, are elite AAA. Some of them are older, more experienced guys. You know, a couple from the World Junior Teams uh, in Switzerland and in Russia. So there's lots of infrastructure here, and our scouting network's quite wide. And, yeah, like just the referrals we get from ex-players, you know, that that's pretty much where the, our players come from. And, and we work pretty closely with, you know, a lot of Junior A teams locally here. And there's so many good players out there on the market. There's lots of good players. So um yeah, we'll have to replace some of those guys, but I'm not too concerned. We it's it's just part of part of this level is you just have to replace scoring every year.
0: Um and then when 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 does the season start for you guys? We
1: won't be starting till mid-September with training camp.
0: Okay. Mid September. Wow, that's kind of late.
1: It it is late. It is late. Um you know, we do our we well. We do our summer season from May to July, and then we have our, our big training camp in July, and then yeah, we we have our, our team starts mid September. So it is a bit late, but it gives extra time for visas. You know, the the domino effect to start happening at some other levels. Yeah, and it always leads to to a couple of interesting players coming down later in 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 the recruiting summer.
0: That's um, a, that's a great point though. That I haven't thought about that, but that makes makes a ton of sense in terms of. I mean, if you are a if you're a bottom null player, or you know, and and you're sitting there holding on. Oh yeah, I made the null team, and then boom, here comes the trickle down from USHL, and now yeah. all of a sudden, I'm 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 being moved, and now do I where do I go? You know, versus. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a lot of we I kinda call we call that in the shuffle a bit. And yeah, like a lot of and it's not just the North America it's is all generate. Like everyone collects a group of players and then when something better comes up, you know, they cut them loose or they try and, and they need to send them somewhere because yep. yeah, they just d- drag this player along all summer thinking he was on the team and then at the last second, oh now I have to make a change. So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of struggle in some North American league. Coaches do endorse our program and, and send players our way, especially, yeah, like um, when they're trying to hide a European player or something like that. Um, it does happen. And yeah, we, we usually get a couple of players because of that trickle down. And yeah. uh, it's good. They're, they're usually pretty strong players and it works out. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's let's round out. But talk about so elite prospect showcase. uh, uh so it has got to fit in pretty well in the calendar year of in the off season, you fill your ice commitments in the, in, in the off season with programming and uh, get you something to do too. Right.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a pretty special program we run there. It's I've been running the July camp now for, for nine seasons with while we well, youth sports coach named John Duco. he coaches Toronto Metro. So we've, University. We've been doing that program together for a program. We end up uh, uh, bringing in bringing in a, close to 100 players every summer, and we bring in a lot of guest coaches as well from the CHL, from the North American Hockey League. Um, you know, Junior AAA from this region. So we get we give exposure to to our group of athletes. You know, to to work with all those levels. Um, we kind of accumulate it all with with a showcase at the end of it for a week. Yep. Um, where we play games, we break it all up to, you know, eight teams and we give players a platform to play in front of, you know, uh, CHL coaches, colleges, um, triple A teams, and then we try and assist with with placements for them. And then, yeah, additionally, um, we run a three month program, we call it our summer season, where players can come to Canada for three months. We train twice a day, we treat it like a junior team. They play in, yeah, like close to 30 games between summer leagues and tournaments here, which I think not a lot of countries offer. So that, that program is pretty popular with with European players to come over and spend three months in Canada, learn English, get treated yeah. like a team, play 30 games, work with, yeah, these these elite level coaches. And yeah, we, we attract a lot of strong players that way. And some of them, the best fit for them, their next step is the Rattlers. Some of them, we'll put them in, yeah. CHL training camps, we'll put them in junior age programs in Canada, North American. So we assist with advancement opportunities that way. But the the interesting thing about that and why I think teams like if you're a player that's committed your entire summer, three months, one month to coming to Canada to train instead of going to the beach or hanging out with your friend, like that's a pretty committed athlete, yeah. which you know definitely adds a, a token. So whenever we're sending a player from those programs to higher level, they know they're getting someone who's serious and yeah wants it. And that's been pretty successful for us.
0: Yeah. Let's, let, let's, let's end with this, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, cause you've been there for a while in the relationships that you build with these players, but how close as a general manager, you know, I'm sure you, you have a real close relationship with the billets and the families and how they're connected with the programs but the player themselves you know uh is not just a coach who has the relationship with the players but what's your relationship with the players
1: yeah like in our at this level at the in this position i think you you take on more of an advisor role as a gm as well because you're not just okay you come here you play for our team and and that's it like you're trying to guide them through next steps a lot of the time yeah and um, yeah, you do get quite close with the players and 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 the families. I would say on more professional manner and around yeah. the rink, like you will joke with them. But in the season, I wouldn't say we talk so much with the players. You just yeah, you might just joke around with them at the rink in that. But yeah, it's more the guidance. I would say post rattlers. That's you know that's where you keep in touch with them more, and and a lot of these players they really appreciate you know, the efforts we put in here uh, for their junior program, especially if they play somewhere else before they go someplace somewhere after they realize, you know, maybe like what we're doing here, we try and go above and beyond. So a lot of them definitely, you know, appreciate that, that, that extra attention and, and trying to make their time here special and the parents appreciate it too. And, you know, they, they see, they see when, when a team's going above and beyond to try and push their son and steer him in the right direction and yeah be a bit more of a, an advisor than just the gm
0: yeah that's awesome well i appreciate you coming on and and sharing your thoughts congrats on the on bringing home the the trophy um add it to the trophy case there but uh we'll we'll, i'm looking forward to kind of uh seeing how this goes uh learn a little bit more about the next the next crop of players are coming in and as we go into the second season of the Swedish Junior Hockey, so um, um, so um. yeah.
1: Well, I appreciate your time here. Thank you for having me. And yeah, it, I think it's it's an amazing thing you're doing here with with this podcast. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how next year rounds out for our programs. We can definitely yeah. maybe touch base next summer.
0: Yeah. L- lastly, what's the what if somebody wants to get a hold of you? What's the best way to get a hold of of, of you specifically on the Rattler programs or or the camp this summer?
1: Yeah, like the the Bradford Rattler our website, rattlershockey.ca, our Instagram, the Bradford Rattlers, you know, we're, we're available there. Or, yeah, the summer camp is called EP Showcase, the Showcase Development Camp. Um, there's a website and, yeah, the Instagram, EP Showcase.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, and uh, good luck with the rest of the summer. All right. Thank you so much, Jacob.